you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. All right, welcome to Move the Sticks, everybody. Here following day one of the 2022 NFL Draft, looking ahead to day two. Rhett Lewis and Bucky Brooks here with you as we assess what happened up and down the board. A night that started on Thursday evening with Trayvon Walker going number one overall to the Jacksonville Jaguars and ended with the Minnesota Vikings selecting Lewis Seen, the safety out of Georgia. In between then, Bucky, havoc. It was <laughs> like the first 10 picks, everybody came off the board, sitting in their spot, taking their players. And then from 11 through the rest of the round, we had nine trades. Nine trades, which is the most we've seen since 2010. And we had three back-to-back from 11 Saints going up to get Alave. 12 you had, and then 13, the Eagles come up to get Jordan Davis. Like, have you ever seen a middle of the draft where it went so haywire there with all those moves? No, nah, Brad, it was crazy because um, what is the saying? The Latin proverb, fortune favors the run, the bolt. And so we saw guys, we saw, we saw people being very aggressive, making moves to get the players that they wanted. And I think what was surprising, it didn't involve the quarterback. Yeah. Normally when we've seen a flurry of activity, it typically is related to a quarterback, a franchise quarterback, one that has been targeted and identified that, Hey, this is a guy that we have to get to reverse the fortunes of the franchise, but that wasn't involved. We saw wide receivers go off the board in a hurry. You know, we, we saw three in a row. Yeah, three in a row, like three former Ohio State guys, even though Jameson yeah. Williams finished at Alabama. That's right. And so it was it was just crazy to see. And I think um, the overall theme of everything is if you don't believe that the NFL is a passing league, this draft lets you know that it is all about the passing game. Because the guys that were flying off the board, the guys that were coveted and aggressively pursued were those who impacted the passing game. From the pass rushers yes. to the pass catchers to the pass protectors. Yes. That is what this draft was all about. And, you know, I think it's just interesting to kind of signal that trend when it comes to team building. Yeah, and look, I mean, we had five straight picks, all defense, right? We had the two edge rushers, Trayvon Walker, Aiden Hutchinson, go 1-2. Then we had the two corners go 3-4 with Derek Stingley going ahead of Sauce Gardner. And then we get uh, the third edge rusher, Kayvon Thibodeau, off the board at 5. And then we have the run on offensive players all the way until Jordan Davis comes off the board at 13 to the Philadelphia Eagles. So, man, it was a night of runs. I mean, we saw the receiver run you mentioned three in a row. Um, I, that, that was crazy. And then I, I think you, in order to talk about the receivers, you obviously have to mention what the Philadelphia Eagles and Tennessee Titans pulled off here. Titans sending A.J. Brown, somewhat disgruntled mm-hmm. wide receiver, to Philadelphia for the 18th pick and some other uh, additional draft pick compensation. And then the Eagles go and – or the Titans then go and select – Traylon Burks at 18, who I think was a guy that we had basically comped. Yeah. You know, AJ Brown and, and Traylon Burks mm-hmm. were basically the comp, right? Yeah. So it, it, it was crazy to watch the, the receiver action. And we had talked about it 
uh, on Path where we, we talked about how some teams would view the receiver position as one rather than pay big money for a receiver, go and draft right. one and see if you can draft right. a replacement because there have been so many young receivers that have popped over the last few years. Um, I think what's different about the Titans deal is you're talking about a Pro Bowl player that was young entering his prime. You found him in the second round. He played at a high level. And my original thought was, oh, okay, the Titans are going to pair somebody up with A.J. Brown, right. not they were going to replace A.J. Brown. Right. Um, and then he signs a deal immediately upon the trade with the Eagles, four-year, $100 million, uh, $25 million annually, $57 million of that guaranteed um, to give the Eagles a true number one to go alongside Devonta Smith and the rest of the playmakers that they have around Jalen Hurts. Um, that was a bit of a surprise. And, you know, it's, it's funny because everyone's like, oh, these young receivers are going to get traded. But I still i am like, I don't believe they're going to really trade him. I don't believe that they're going to trade A.J. Brown. And then he's out the door. And then Hollywood Brown is the one that floored me. Yeah. Wow. Going from Baltimore to Arizona. Um, Eric Reuniting Costa. teammates, though, right? From like Oklahoma. that, though. So now I like that part of it because yeah. the reunion between Kyler Murray and Marquise Brown, all of a sudden you saw the happy Kyler Murray show up on Twitter. Right. Um, not so go, happy Lamar Jackson. I don't know. Yeah, not, not so happy Lamar Jackson. But happy Kyler Murray was tweeting out emojis of footballs and all that other stuff, and that would be good. And we have seen when you either reconnect guys with their college teammates, there's a natural chemistry there, or when you pair a young quarterback with an older receiver, there's some chemistry that's developed there because of the trust that you have with a veteran receiver being in the right spot. But Eric DaCosta kind of letting it be known, a hey, Hollywood Brown requested this trade at the end of the season. Oh, That, nice. to me, was like, oh, Hollywood Brown is not happy. He wants more balls. And so Lamar Jackson, who had immediate reaction, I wonder if he and Hollywood Brown have to have that conversation as to why he wanted out of Baltimore. Well, somewhere. and the big, you know, the most notable immediate reaction from Lamar really came after the Ravens, with that second pick of the first round that they eventually kind of maneuvered, mm -hmm. you know, a little bit, they were at 23, then ended up moving down to 25 and taking Tyler Linderbaum, the center out of Iowa, that like eight seconds after that pick, you saw the, the WTF tweet from Lamar. Yeah. Cause maybe he mm -hmm. thought he was getting the receiver replacement with that pick. It but, didn't happen. There were already six wideouts off the board by pick number 18. Yeah. Um, and go ahead. Then, no, but I was saying, like, like that's the thing. But then I was like, well, well, who did he think would have been in that spot? They drafted the number one receiver right. a year ago in Rashad Bateman. Where they going to come back and do another first-round receiver. And the Baltimore Ravens are always true to what they believe in. They're always going to take the best player. They, right. they, they just kind of sit and wait. Kyle Hamilton falls into their lap. They take him. Tyler Lindemore falls to them. They take him. And to me, it was a very sensible selection based on how they operate and do business. Lamar Jackson, they have plenty of time to find a wide receiver, but really, they're a running team. I don't know how much yeah. capital they'll continue to invest in the wide receiver position when they're trying to run the ball down your throat. So, you know, a couple of things that also stuck out to the, to me to those teams, and we're going to get to the biggest surprises in this draft here in just a little bit, looking at you, New England. Uh, but we'll get there in, in, here in just a moment. One of the other big surprises was the fall for Jermaine Johnson, the edge rusher out of Florida State. We kind of been talking about him in that top 10 conversation and this kind of loops in, you know, the, the, the narrative surrounding those teams that had the multiple first round picks jets, obviously one of them, they get sauce Gardner at four, come back and get Garrett Wilson at 10, mm -hmm. you know, arguably the, probably the best wide receiver on their board 
at 10, could have been, and Garrett Wilson. I, I had him going up and getting Garrett Wilson at four. They end up yes. getting him at 10, and then they get sauce as well, and then come back into the back end of the first round for a third first-round pick to take Jermaine Johnson and to end that fall. To me, the Jets are the biggest winners of the night. How do you see it? No, I love it. Um, all those guys are marquee guys. Um, when I looked at the list, of, I had 18 guys that were listed as first-rounders. Um, they got all of them. They got three. Three first-rounders with three of the blue-chip players that I felt were in this draft. They they nailed them. Um, they got a couple of the blue-chip guys, that elite guys that I thought, and they were able to get them on their terms. And so when you think about the team and you think about how Joe Douglas wants to rebuild this offense and actually rebuild the entire team, they're able to do it. They got the pass catcher that was needed. They got a pass rusher in Jermaine Johnson, who I believe um, is one of the best that we'll see. And then you talk about the playmaker on the outside, on the perimeter, and Sauce Gardner. They have to be happy with what they walked away with in round one. Were you surprised, Bucky, that the Carolina Panthers were able to just sit and pick the best tackle in the draft at number six? I was surprised they were able to sit and pick the best tackle. I'm not surprised yeah. that they elected to take an offensive tackle. But right. for them to get the guy that they wanted, because for a long time, Iki Kwanu was speculated to be their guy. And they were able to, I mean, they were able to get him. Like it's, it's bananas how it happened, but their patience paid off. Now, they eventually will have to address the quarterback situation via the draft or maybe via trade or free agency, or maybe they continue to walk the walk with Sam Donald. But getting the offensive tackle, to me, would help them more immediately in 2022 than taking a quarterback at that pick. And for them to get the guy that they wanted, yeah, I think it's yeah. a great pick for them. And then just piggybacking off that for the Panthers here, because so they take – Iguanu at six overall. They didn't move down at all. They didn't acquire any day two draft capital. So we're not going to see them as it currently stands tonight. Now they could finagle some sort of deal to get back into the second round or the third round. But as it stands right now, we're not going to see them again to the fourth. Does that lead you to believe that they had to be comfortable either rolling with Sam Darnold, knowing that they weren't going to get a quarterback in the second round or third round, um, or perhaps signal that maybe they're going to be in the Baker Mayfield? Jimmy Garoppolo market? Well, I think first thing, they had to be comfortable enough to know that they might have to walk the walk with Sam Donald. So they had to be comfortable enough with that. Um, and then the Baker Mayfield and that conversation regarding a trade to acquire him, that's one that they can engage in. Now, the thing about it is they're already locked in Sam Donald for maybe $14 million. Baker Mayfield is guaranteed $19 million. That's $33 right. million at the quarterback position for guys who would have to battle it out. I'm curious if they want to take that on because this also creates another conversation and storyline around the team heading into training camp. But in terms of rebuilding this offense, the offensive tackle was a must-have. They had to get that right, and I think they got it right with Aki. Yeah, uh, and then looking at the you know another team in the top ten that had the two picks, the New York Giants at five and seven. Man, I honestly I didn't see him taking Kayvon Thibodeau there at five. Um, how do you like the fit there? I mean, obviously the Big Apple is going to be very appealing to him uh, mm -hmm. for brand awareness. We know that. And look, we know he can get after the passer. He's a very talented mm -hmm. edge rusher, something the Giants need. Then they come back and get Evan Neal at number seven. Uh, what's the thought on how the Giants kind of maneuvered the night? You know, the one thing that I think we have to look at with the Giants and Kayvon Thibodeau is not just Joe Shane and Brian Dayball, but the defense coordinator, Wink Martindale. So Wink Martindale has been around the – Baltimore Ravens for a long time. The Baltimore Ravens have had a ton of big personalities yeah. 
play on that defensive line. That's a good point. I mean, Matt Judon has a personnel, and they were able to kind of deal with that. And so I don't think Sizzle. he would be – yeah, I don't think – oh, yeah. T-Suggs, yeah. I don't think he would be bothered by Thibodeau's personality and those things. Yeah. But what they are getting is potentially a very dominant pass rusher. Like, we can talk about the personality and all that other stuff, but that first-step quickness and bend and burst, that is real. And for them, a team that has not been able to acquire a pass rush consistently – they needed that. So now you put him with Leonard Williams. You had Dexter Lawrence on the inside. They're a much better team. And then being able to address the offensive line with the guy who I believe was their preference anyway, and Evan Neal just given uh, Brian Dayball's ties to the to yeah. Alabama, I just thought that would be the pick because he would know everything about him. Yeah, it makes a lot. It, it makes a lot of sense when you draw the connections there and you start kind of connecting the dots. Uh, the Georgia Bulldogs, the national champion Georgia Bulldogs, had five players from that defense drafted in the first round, most in the first round out of a single college in the common draft era. That's since 1967. Trayvon Walker, number one to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Jordan Davis, 13 to the Eagles after they moved up. Quay Walker, the mm. third Bulldog off the board, going to the Green Bay Packers at 22. Devontae Wyatt, later to the Packers. They got a pair of teammates now going mm. to Green Bay. And then Lewis Seen, the final pick of the first round, going to the Minnesota Vikings after they moved down 20 spots with the Detroit Lions uh, to allow Detroit to go up to get Jamison Williams. Which of those fits out of the five Georgia players on that defensive side that went in the first round do you like the best? Mm. It's so tough because so many good players coming out yeah. of there. Uh, there are two fits that stand out to me. Jordan Davis going to the Philadelphia Eagles. Natural replacement for Fletcher Cox. Yep. Long, rangy, super athletic. He gets to play behind Fletcher Cox for a year, served at apprenticeship before he takes over. That is a great fit for Philly, particularly because they're a team that doesn't like to blitz much. They want to get a pass rush with the guys up front. He can create an immediate pocket push. And then Devontae Wyatt with – the Green Bay Packers, we knew they were going to find an interior player. Devontae White um, had talked about it. We had Cin- Cynthia Freeland on the show repeatedly talking about Devontae White and the fit with the Green Bay Packers. Both of those guys on the interior for the Bulldogs should be immediate impact players for their teams. You look at Devontae Wyatt in, used in like a Kenny Clark type of role there yeah. in Green Bay? Yeah, I think I think he can do a few different things. They have done a really good job of identifying athletic interior yeah. players and finding a way to utilize them. Because even though on paper we talk about them being a 3-4 team, they're a little multiple in how they use guys. Because Kenny Clark was not one that was viewed as being an impactful player. And even when he was drafted, I think there were people that believed he was overdrafted based on what he showed at UCLA. But they found a way to um, unleash him, and he's been a Pro Bowl player. No question about it. Um, Let's do this here. We're going to take a quick break, and we're going to use the rest of the offensive linemen uh, as part of the surprises that we saw on night one after seeing what the New England Patriots did with their pick at 29 after trading down from 21. We'll get into that. We'll also look ahead to the best available players uh, in the second round with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, now the owners of the first pick of the second round. We'll look ahead to that as well right after this here on Move the Sticks. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower... 
37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. All right, back here with you on Move the Sticks. Nine offensive linemen taken in the first round, second most in the common draft era, only trailing the 10 that were selected in 1968. We also had nine selected back in 2013. We talked a lot about the tackles at the very top. Ike Aquanu, Evan Neal, Charles Cross goes to the Seattle Seahawks at number nine. Then we kind of saw the guards start to come off. A little surprising after the talk about medical issues, perhaps, mm -hmm. for Kenyon Green. He ends up going to the Houston Texans at 15 after they move down a pair of spots to allow the Eagles to move up to 13. And then we get the Dallas Cowboys taking Tyler Smith, the kind of tackles. They called him a mm -hmm. tackle when they turned in the card, which I thought was interesting, out of Tulsa. Tyler Linderbaum out of Iowa ends up going to the Ravens, and then Cole Strange, UT Chattanooga Mox on the board at 29, which everyone's like, oh, it's Logan Makins all over again for the New England Patriots and Bill Belichick. Um, I, I, it yeah, seems like a I, dumb question to ask the biggest surprise because it had to be Cole Strange, right? Absolutely, it was Cole Strange. Um, I don't think anyone had him viewed as a first-round pick. Um, and even the nugget that, uh, we discussed when we were walking out of the studio the other day where uh, someone had done research and 49 of the Patriots picks have been guys that have participated in the senior bowl. You still don't have yeah. the connection that Cole Strange is going to be one of those guys. And he was scrappy. He's tough. Interior, interior blockers, played a couple different positions on the inside. Didn't view him as one of the best guys in the draft. But the difficulty in doing this draft, there was so much variance between um, – after you got past those 18 to 20 first round picks that people kind of unanimously said were first rounders, yeah. the volatility after that and that next tier was all over the board. And I think the reaction of uh, Sean McVay <laughs> and Les Snead oh, that was great. at their presser when they heard about Wasted it. Wasted all that time I, thinking he was going to be there at 104. I think that is everything. <laughs> I think that is everything. And people will take that as a slight, but man. I think that's the surprise because when it comes across the ticket, you're like, what? First round? So, hey, maybe. There it is. Maybe Bill Belichick. They march to the beat of their own drum there, right? They, no they do no doubt about thing. it. No one criticizes them. We just kind of let them operate on their own yep. island. Well, look, it makes it makes a little bit of sense because they traded Shaq Mason, their starting guard, uh, and sent him down to Tampa Bay. And so – you know, here they go. They essentially get a replacement or a guy who they hope could be a replacement right there in Cole Strange. Center bar face mask, the comp to Brian Baldinger. Like, well, it's all yeah. there. <laughs> it's all it's all there. Um, it'll be fun to discuss that yeah. next week when we get on path to the draft. Yeah, to definitely. Talk about it. That, that is one for the ages, for sure. So, surprise to me, not to you, Bucky, one quarterback drafted, and it's Kenny Pickett, 20th overall to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um I mean, it, it it was like it was such a logistical thing that like made so much sense that it felt like we started moving away from it. Right? I mean, like it, in, it did, in the week it, leading up to the draft, it did make too much sense, right? So you yeah. have Pittsburgh Steelers, you have access, you share a facility with the Pitt Panthers, you see the quarterback every day. You look out your office window, you can see Kenny Pickett throwing to any of the wide receivers um, right. that he has. He doesn't have to leave town; he can start getting to work right there in the city. All of that other stuff, it made too much sense for us to believe. And, you know, when you go back to the original 
mock draft season, a lot of people had him pegged kind of in that range with yeah. the Pittsburgh Steelers. There was a natural tie and connection. It like it it played itself out. And I think what we have to do, as much as we love quarterbacks and we love discussing quarterbacks, there wasn't buzz on the quarterbacks. And the reaction immediately at the combine after watching those guys work out and the flurry of activity yes. that took place with quarterbacks, Russell Wilson being traded, Carson Wentz, um, on and on. It kind of the league tipped his hand in terms of what they thought about the 2022 quarterback class. Right. And it played out. Now, the interesting and the fascinating part is now the second round, how many right. of these guys go off and how quickly? Because I don't know about the Seahawks. I think the Seahawks have two at the top of the second round where maybe they can fix their need. I know the Indianapolis Colts are sitting there with maybe a quarterback need, depending on how they feel about Sam Ellinger. Um, and some of these other teams that we speculated in the first round, maybe they pulled a trigger now in the second round because they're more comfortable. Sure. Yeah, I mean, that's that's going to be a big part of this thing here. So you're looking at the draft order, which, you know, it's going to be a little wonky now with some of these trades. You've got to kind of follow all that. But right mm-hmm. now the Tampa Bay Buccaneers would be on the clock at number 33. And I think 34 from the Lions had to be part of the trade with the Vikings. So the Vikings yeah, are going to so. be on the clock. At 34, Jets came back in, so I got to I got to double check that. But the Giants, I'm just I'm looking for the first quarterback team, and I'm thinking Seattle at 40 might be yeah. it. There right, might be a move at 41. Colts yeah, at 42. Yeah, that might be the move, and then it just depends on now if Malik Willis is available. Do they make the move there? They have Drew Locke battling with Geno Smith. Oh, I'd do that. I they got you got two back to back picks in the second round. Make one of them Malik Willis. Yeah. And you know, like I talked about him going there. I just feel like he's the perfect fit based on how they play. Maybe he's there and there's no pressure to necessarily get him on to the field if you want to. But we always talk about red shirting, but then everyone gets mad when they red shirt. So we'll see how that works out. Yeah, and then looking, kind of connecting last night with tonight as well, we talked about the Green Bay Packers getting the pair of Georgia defensive teammates in Devontae Wyatt and Quay Walker. I mean, like even if they wanted to take a wide receiver, Bucky, six of them were off the board by yeah. 18. So you were right. You were right. They weren't going to do oh, it. I thought say, they were going to pass on one. Can you say that one more time? I like hearing you were right. tell me that I'm right. You were right, yeah. but I, I thought they were going to at least have the option to really get one of the first six. That didn't happen. So do you think, though, you know, with yeah, guys think, like Christian Watson, Sky Moore, you know, like are those guys going to – George Pickens, are they now going to be off the board by the time the Packers are up at 53? Might be. Normally, Rhett, the beginning of the second round, we see just a flurry of activity, guys that um, weren't expected to be available at the top of the second round. They typically go – I would keep my eye on Scott Moore, Christian yeah. Watson. Yeah, early, I expect them to go. I don't know if they can get to 50. I think, man, the Packers are are down there hoping for maybe George Pickens. Yeah, maybe George Pickens getting to them. If not, it's going to be the guys that we, we – I mean, we had talked about, you know, yeah. anywhere from um, the Thorntons and of the world and um, being able to talk about Kalish Kerr and uh, Jalen Tol- Tolbert, those yeah. guys, David they may Bell. be available. Yeah, yeah David Bell. David Bell's he's kind of like my favorite pick. He's your guy. I know. I know. So let's just look at some of the best available here to wrap this thing up here. Um, 
Nicobe Dean from Georgia. If you'd have told me five Georgia players went in the first round, all on the defensive side of the ball, I would have thought Nicobe Dean was going to be one of them. He's yeah. not. He's DJ's 17th overall player. Uh, Malik Willis, Brees Hall, Boye Mafe, edge rusher out of Minnesota, Andrew Booth from Clemson. I mean, which one of these guys were you most surprised did not go on night one? You know, it's tough because there were conversations about all of these guys. Um, I would say Brees Hall. I thought yeah. there was a chance that he would go with the Buffalo Bills down there. Um, but, you know, there were a lot of concerns. Like, Red, even as we talked about these guys on, on path to the draft, the, the mock drafts were varying in terms of, like, sometimes Epicady was in, sometimes yeah. he was out, sometimes Andrew Booth was in, sometimes he's out, Khaled right. Gordon, Boye Mafe. And so – I feel like we got it right in that aspect because there was a lot of uncertainty about who was going to be in that those last right. ten picks. Logan Hall also being a name, yeah, you know, and so, yeah, and so it's, it's it's one of those things where it's it's just all over the place. But tonight should be a lot of fun because if we thought it was crazy last night, it'll be yeah. bananas tonight. No doubt about it. And uh, it all gets started 7 o'clock Eastern time, 4 o'clock local time here in Las Vegas. Can't wait for all of it. We'll be back with you here on Move the Sticks with a recap of rounds two and three tomorrow and a look ahead to the final day of the 2022 NFL Draft where we will get rounds four through seven. For Bucky Brooks, I'm Rhett Lewis. Thanks to Nabil for getting us rolling here today. And we'll catch you next time here on Move the Sticks. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.